Welcome back to Leaders of Color, a podcast by Leading in Color. And on today's episode, we are joined by a good friend of mine, Sal Sevilla. She is the founder of Toronto-based grassroots organization, Youth Gravity. After immigrating from Bangladesh at the age of 10, Sal Sevilla was immediately occupied in dismantling every barrier that stopped her from being the best version of herself through volunteer work. This never-ending struggle had kept her on her feet at all times, either fighting the stigmas around mental health or trying to redefine what home meant in a foreign country, both of which inspired her to start her own initiatives. Her strong sense of making a difference in communities has led her to create her own organization for young leaders to thrive in their communities. Her journey in creating Youth Gravity was born in part out of the realization that racialized young people do not have the same access to leadership opportunities for community engagement and development that adult or non-racialized youth typically do. Recently, Youth Gravity has been funded by the Government of Canada to execute a community-based participatory research project to address social polarization in the greater Toronto area. She is currently doing her undergrad in mathematics at U of T, and is planning to pursue a career in teaching where she hopes to impact her students' lives and inspire them to be the best versions of themselves. Through Youth Gravity, she hopes to support millions of students across Canada to feel supported and know that their ideas are worth hearing, and together we can gravitate towards positivity. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much. Peace to everyone. Salam. Thank you for having me. It's finally happening. I know it's finally happening. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. We initially met at Daughters of the Vote, oh, which was a whole other story, <laughs> <laughs> but have yeah. since remained in contact and, mm-hmm. and followed the work that each other has been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to have you here. How has your quarantine COVID experience been so far? Um, to be extremely honest, I think uh, working from home has been the most weird part of everything you know like I I am I'm, I'm I really love staying at home like I guess I'm a home girl so mm-hmm. when I had the opportunity to go out I would always be like yeah let's not go out right now whatever but now that I'm forcefully um like I'm forced to stay at home now I feel like oh my gosh can I go out can I go out like is it possible when am I gonna go out it's like a that's been the hard part um I guess like as human beings we don't like being forced to do something, have the freedom, and then decide not to do something. That's a different story. But yeah, it's been a, that's, it's been a weird journey. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. It's been a little bit weird being stuck inside. I'm also a homebody and wanting to stay inside all the time. So tell us a little bit about Youth Gravity and the work that you're doing and how you got started. Oh, Youth Gravity. So Youth Gravity is, um, we are a completely youth-led initiative. Um, we are aimed towards providing a platform to young people to pursue community projects that are essentially related to social issue- issues and community projects they are passionate about. So um, how did it get started? Youth Gravity was, I I came to Canada when I was 10, as you said in your bio, I believe. Um, I think ever since coming to Canada, volunteering was a completely different experience for me. I like you can do things for free and be recognized for that. I was like, no, that doesn't exist in my world. That never happened. Who would do anything for free? Um, but to me, that gave me a bigger purpose, a bigger purpose of who I am as a person. Um, I mean, living in a foreign country, like living your own, living your own country to be in a foreign country, there's always this um 
there's always a struggle to find where home is. Where do you really belong? I always explain it in a way like you when you move from you move out of one map to be in another map, but you get lost in between the map. Um, it's like you don't really belong in any of the countries, really. And I think for me, volunteering was a way for me to connect to my community, connect to the people around me. Um, so Youth Gravity came to me um, as an idea in 2015, I believe. I was 14 years old at the time, I think. Um, I felt like no matter where I would go to volunteer, there was always this feeling of inferiority. There is, because I'm a young person, because I'm a racialized, um, visible Muslim identity, walking with all these all these identities, it was almost belong anywhere, feel like I belonged anywhere. So every single time, any event, I will go to any project or any meetings I'll go to that are led by adults. I always felt like we were never really welcome there. We were, it was just, they just needed a young person to be there. So I just fit that criteria. Tokenized, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's when I think I was stressed out for a couple of days trying to figure out exactly like, what is it that I really want to do? I always feel like either I'm being welcomed as a tokenized person or I'm not welcomed at all. Do I really belong anywhere? Um, I was stressed out. Yeah, I was quite stressed out. Um, and then one day I had a dream, like an actual dream in my sleep, um, mm-hmm. where the idea, where I basically woke up with an idea in my head, the dream was basically um, us young people working on projects together to figure out what it means to be a leader, trying to go back, take a step back, understand what leadership is. And that's when I realized that we are not going to, no one is going to give us leadership experiences. No one's gonna hand us, hand us all of this over. We just have to learn how to, we have to learn as we go through different experiences. Um, and that's when I realized Youth Gravity can easily, can be a platform for young people to come in, execute projects, that they think is needed in their communities. And that's the best way anyone can learn um, what leadership is and what they want to do and also find a purpose in their work. I'm so glad that you shared that this idea came to you in a dream mm-hmm. because when I explain that to people, when I talk about like how I came up with leading in color was also the same way. Really? Um, oh, my oh yeah. Gosh. I like, okay. for me, it was like very much like divine intervention. Like mm-hmm. I went to sleep one day and I woke up and it had just like all been implanted in my head. Um, <laughs> And I immediately like got to work uh, and it was like really like a dream that I had had that was yeah. telling me to be like, go do this, go do that. And I was like, wow. okay, this is divine intervention and I'm going to go do it. Oh my gosh. Wow. wow. Okay. So, so I so love that. I'm the only weirdo stuff. in the town. Good to know. <laughs> no. And I think, I think that's so important too, because like you mentioned you're, you're Muslim and, and as mm-hmm. you know, I'm a Christian and mm-hmm. I think like as racialized uh, people of faith as well mm-hmm. we have like a different experience than other people too right mm-hmm. um and for some of us that comes with added oppression and added marginalization mm-hmm. and, and luckily that hasn't been my experience entirely because that as racialized young people of faith being able to like bond over something like that even is really rare right yeah yeah um, for sure i think that's amazing you mentioned that it was a struggle go through the motions, I guess, of, of coming to Canada mm-hmm. is something I think a lot of young immigrant youth can relate to mm-hmm. as well. 
How did you manage to overcome some of that? You mentioned youth gravity being one of those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, how did youth gravity help you do that? What was it mm-hmm. in finding community and building community and working in community that helped you feel a sense of belonging? Um, really great question. I think, um, needless to say, but people who immigrate, they go through they go through struggles in a not only in terms of their identity crisis, but also family-wise, financial-wise. Uh, you're in a completely different culture, so culture shock itself is a uh, is a huge struggle to deal with. Not struggle, but an obstacle barrier in understanding how everything goes around you. To me, I. I always felt like I never really, for example, um, the media, media wasn't very, I wasn't very familiar with it. And even to this day, I don't think I'm much familiar with the media. I'm not, and when I say media, I'm talking about the Hollywood, maybe the shows, the TV shows people are talking about, and I'm pretty Hmm. bad at it. Like pop culture. Um, Pop culture. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's, I guess that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Used to it. I'm not very, um, I guess I am kind of backdated in that sense. So it was mm-hmm. hard for me to really talk about anything with anyone. I couldn't really, you know, like when you speak, when you talk to kids on the playground in schools and you realize, oh, like that's going on on the media or this mm-hmm. happened to Jack Human or whatever his name is. Um, like those conversations. And I never felt like I could be a part of those conversations because I yeah. genuinely just didn't understand it. Um, and then I realized that these things don't really make me happy. Like these topics are not fun for me. I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about different ideas. I wanted to talk about what can I do next to maybe support myself, to support my family, mm-hmm. support my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about what is going on in our community. Like, sometimes even like politically, I think when I came to Canada in 2010, I think there was either 2010 or 11, I don't remember exactly, but I think there was an election. Um, There was an election happening, uh, election where Stephen Harper won. That was my first time. And before anything, before even getting in touch, before even understanding who Justin Bieber was, because the time Justin Bieber like really became Canadian icon. So before even understanding any of that, I understood that election was important and everyone needs to vote even though I didn't have my parents didn't have the right to vote back then because they just immigrated um, I still felt some kind of connection to it I was like okay mm-hmm. like I would go to the library maybe sometimes read newspaper based on my very I would try to understand things based on my very minimal um, English skills but mm-hmm. I understood that there was a problem I understood that there was this country was almost not made for anyone who likes who looks remotely close to me mm-hmm. um and then I think back and then slowly I realized okay you know what can I be like I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run for prime minister tomorrow like that's not happening mm-hmm. but what can I how can I slowly build up skills opportunities and to feel like I'm part of something to feel like I'm part of um the sense of belonging um the lack of sense of belonging was quite strong um and then slowly realizing, okay, maybe I'm not someone who would maybe talk about pop culture or would be into that those things. Um, not that it's bad, but it's just I have a different experience. I am a different person. Yeah. I have a different sense and different interests. And I have to, and it can be lonely. And mm-hmm. if there's any grade seven or eight kids listening, um, grade seven or eight young people listening to me, uh, it can be really lonely when you have almost no one to talk to 
about anything that matters to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, and I'm so glad that I took that time to realize and appreciate that um, I it, things were gonna be different for me. Things were not gonna be. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be just like a piece of um, piece of cake. Is that how we said? Um, so youth gravity. Um, so how youth gravity helped me is that youth gravity allowed me to create a community that understood my passion and I understood their passion. So the people I get to work with, my teammates are so incredible. We just finished our hiring and I'm already like every day, I'm like already super pumped up for our next meeting. Mm -hmm. We have meetings every Fridays and Mondays. So I'm like pumped up from Friday to Monday. Oh my gosh, like I'm going to meet my team on Monday to Friday. (laughs) Or like in between when we get to talk or like sending out memes. Uh, but also being passionate about what we do. Um, mm-hmm. All of these people are so incredible, so incredibly driven by their experiences, by who they are. Um, and having the space youth gravity where it's completely youth-led, there's no adult involvement at all until we mm-hmm. give consent to have adults involved. Um, and by adults, I'm talking about professionals. So I think, and so that gives us the control to figure out, okay, what do we feel like needs to change in our communities? And how can we mm-hmm. be a part of it? And the sense of accomplishing something at the end of a project is just so beautiful. If you, every time you speak to someone, you probably feel super inspired, or even though there's like 20,000 things to do and you have no time to sleep, but still the work, the passion drives you probably. I think that's amazing that you've noted the experience that you've had in terms of your interests I think is one that a lot of racialized youth and in particular immigrant youth Mm -hmm. can relate to or or like first generation Canadians as well, that a lot of our interests are based on privilege, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have the privilege to care about. We've worked on in past. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. the very first project we did, um, it was 2016, November 10th, a bunch of young people literally just came together and we're like, you know what? I think mental health is a stigmatized topic. We should talk about it. Um, at the time, I was dealing with depression. Um, mm. In 2016, I was diagnosed with clinical depression. Uh, and I realized that there was no space for, not even racialized, but like even if I bring it down to like my specific country, um, mm. community, they will never, ever talk about mental health. Um, like, if you ask me what is the biggest joke to, like, tell me a joke, like, to them, the biggest joke is mental health. Like, that's it. There's no, either you're crazy or lazy. I think I wrote it somewhere on Instagram, and it's so true. Oh, I feel that. I feel that. There's no, like, in between. It's like, that's how it works. Um, so having that, building that space or creating that space where, um, even though we were really new, because it was our first event, it was on mental health run the talk that was the name of the event uh we uh we advertised we had about 40 young people showing up all interested in talking about mental health how stress like small things make a difference in um in our everyday lives um talking about or some of us had some of i think we made stress ball from flour and water using balloons and oh yeah such a it was such a like it was like not a big deal. It was just like, ah, oh, we're just making a stress ball. But that mm-hmm. was the fun part of it. While we were making stress balls, we were talking about schools that are stressing the hell out of us. We're talking mm-hmm. about grade 12 at the moment. 
we were talking about how universities, like we don't know what university we're going to go to. We don't know what the future holds of us, like how any of this is going to work out. We have no idea. But creating that space, realizing that people were having fun and while talking about something so important, that was, I think that was the first realization. Oh, maybe this is needed. Maybe we need to do more. Um, many other times we, in 2018, we had a, we had a, we hosted a mart in downtown Toronto against domestic abuse. It was a really small mart. We are, I think I wasn't even 18 at the time. Maybe I was, I don't remember, but we were young people. Everyone in our team were under the age of 20 and we mm-hmm. like, together, how Youth Gravity Works is we have a, young people will come up with a project idea. So at the time it was like within the team, everyone has to propose a project idea. And then together we will decide, okay, which project are we going to work on? And all of us together, all hands on deck, we're going to figure out every single thing that goes into creating this project. Um, Mm -hmm. So someone proposed, why don't we do something around domestic abuse? Domestic abuse is such such an important conversation yet almost never happens. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard it from anyone, any Muslim youth or Mm -hmm. in general, but a lot of Muslim youth, Muslims, especially adults, uh, tend to use this quote that divorce is one of the most, uh, it's like, it's like, it is allowed in Islam, but it's like one of the most not liked, most disliked um, action that can be done by human beings. But what people don't understand is that there is so much more to it. It's just one out of many other core where it says that if you are in a domestic abuse, if you're in a relationship that is not that is not helping you or that is like actually harming you, harming your faith, actually you are, you should be exiting from that relationship. You shouldn't be there. Um, so growing up in a community with majority South Asian and also Muslim, there was always this, and there is still to, the, to this day, no one will ever, ever talk about domestic abuse because that mm. fear, like what will other people think? That fear that, oh, my religion might outcast me. Like, it is so upsetting. Um, so we had this march where we marched from downtown Toronto to our community, which is Regent Park. Uh, we, had a, we had an entire event at the park where we basically invited about 10 different organizations that work with domestic, that work around domestic abuse. Um, And the idea was everyone has to go through every single table and get, everyone has to get everyone's pamphlet in order to get free food. So that way people who are actually struggling can also, won't have to be outcasted. They are also getting the support they need. I think after that event, we realized uh, a former teacher of mine was there and she came up to me and she said um, she was like she was able to learn a lot and she passed that information to a family that might need it. And realizing that, okay, these things make a huge difference. There are, even though these people are, even though we don't see all these changes right on the spot, it's like a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the third one would be the mental health conference that we recently hosted in November, end of November, beginning of December. Um, 
this youth mental health conference put a spotlight on the gap that um, immigrant, newcomer, refugee, and indigenous youth face when coming to accessing mental health services. I think the biggest part about that event was the community. The community that was able to bring together. And that event was also in partnership with BAM, uh, Hananana, Books, Arts and Music, and Jenna Robert, um, indigenous, an amazing indigenous activist. Uh, so that event made a huge difference as well, realizing the potential young people have and how much of a difference it can make when we are in a space where we feel welcomed, when we feel invited. So I guess those are like some of the incidents, some of the situations where I was like, okay, you know what? This is, this is absolutely needed. Yeah, that's a lot of accomplishments that you had so early on that, that made such an impact, I think, amongst the community, as you're saying. Were there any challenges in that work that you faced? Challenges? Uh, I feel like that becomes your middle name when you try to start something against the flow. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, the first thing is your family. When you are growing up, I mean, as a when I was in middle school or even early on high school, no one really... No one really thought of anything much of youth gravity. It was just like, okay, this kid is probably bored, just wants to do something, whatever, let her do it. Um, but the more this progressed, the more my parents or my family was like, okay, like, are you sure you want to do this? Um, another part is um, <clears throat> funding wise. Funding has been like a huge stress for us. We have been. Um, in terms of my age, in terms of figuring out, um, now it's, it's not so much of a issue anymore, I guess, but funding in general. When you are starting a new organization or a new team in any way, something new, um, challenge almost becomes your middle name. For myself, I think family played an important role, my community. I think when I was in middle school or high school, when I was interested in volunteering, it was more like, oh, okay, yeah, she's probably bored. Like, let her do whatever she wants to do. Not a big deal. Um, as time progressed, especially in my first year of high school, um, first year of university, when I really focused on youth gravity, it definitely, it definitely harmed my grades. It harmed my, uh, my overall experience at university. Um, first two years did not work out at all. Um, so I had to take a gap year, which I'm currently on right now. Um, I think trying to being in a Desi or being in an immigrant family, coming from an immigrant family, trying to explain that the work I'm doing is actually for the communities. I don't have to, the only way, um, I know like in, in our families, like you're either doctor, engineer, or lawyer, or sorry, doctor, engineer, or a failure. Um, so I almost had no space in making a conversation or having a conversation about pursuing a career in youth gravity or pursuing career in community work at all. Um, that was, and that is still an ongoing conversation. How do we go about it? What does that mean? What are some of the things are we dealing with as we, what are some of the things that are stopping us from doing what we're doing? Um, a lot of times parents, um, a lot of our parents are trying to survive. Um, and I can completely, I 100% I understand where my parents are coming from and why 
it can almost be alarming to them that I'm not taking the traditional route. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how things work out in the next couple of years. Uh, I think yeah. I think that makes so much sense. Like when it comes to doing this kind of work, I think there's often a perception. One, like again, you were saying, especially in Desi households, yeah. this idea that like we have a set path and mm -hmm. only that set path will set us free, so mm -hmm. to speak. But also that when we're doing community work and focusing on creating change and building up our communities and building up ourselves, it's often, I think, difficult when you have parents who either came here as immigrants, like you said, or, or mine that came as refugees, and for them to see that, like, we're still doing this work that perhaps they had to do back home to get us here in the first place. Um, and we're not living up to sort of that myth of the like model minority myth mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and instead are continuing to have to do this work and so i think that part of it at least for me i know part of it has been not wanting to disappoint but then the other part of it has been not wanting to shy away from the fact that like this fight is not over like coming to canada wasn't the be all and end all mm -hmm. of supporting our communities it wasn't the huge change i think mm -hmm. that everybody thinks it is there's so much more work that goes into making our communities whole like whole again and having our voices heard um mm -hmm. and and uplifting our communities and i think that's something that is is difficult i think for our, a lot of our parents to have to understand mm -hmm. because they they thought they made the sacrifices already so that yeah. we didn't have to sacrifice more, exactly right i agree yeah yeah for sure for sure but then we're here and we're sacrificing um, our own time, energy to support our communities. Mm -hmm. And passion is also part of it. I think passion plays an important role. But a lot of people mm -hmm. do shy away from doing what they love just because what other people say or just be just because of their parents. Uh, Absolutely. A lot of respect to the immigrant parents, a lot of respect to people who are giving up on their job, who are coming from war-torn countries for a better life here. It is unbelievably like we can't it's hard what our parents have been through it's hard mm -hmm. to imagine another part i realized is that my parents are also growing up as i'm growing up we don't mm -hmm. really recognize that we don't recognize that like the other day i think my mom was in her 30s when we came to canada um uh, and like she's now like almost at the end of her 40s and it's almost unbelievable that uh she's also growing up like she's also like now I talk to people who are in their 30s or late 20s and like I'm gonna be there in no time they mm -hmm. never really recognized or acknowledged the growth my parents had to go through the struggle in terms of finding a job my my dad was a doctor back home and he had to give up his entire career to be mm -hmm. here to find a better place to live um and those things, we, we recognize those things and we acknowledge those things. So even when I'm not taking the traditional route, it doesn't mean I'm disrespecting my parents or I, I'm not giving, I'm not, their dreams or their hopes for me is not taking a precedent over my own dreams. Mm -hmm. It's just making sure that um, how, whatever I do, I find it. And almost the, also the other thing is we are, as because I'm an older child, so we are almost like, the retirement plans of our parents yes. we have to we have to figure out like how we're going to take care of our parents as well as we take care of our own 
Um, so I think all of those things play a role when a child, when any immigrant child or any any racialized, I think youth, any racialized young people want to take a uh, take a route that's not traditional. It can easily be alarming to the parents, and that's just how it is. Um, some other challenges are like funding. Funding is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. That's been one that's come up a lot in these mm-hmm. podcasts. Mm-hmm. Is that people, racialized youth in particular, are having a very hard time finding funding. I can speak to that myself, yeah. but a lot of other podcast guests have been saying the same too. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, I can see. Um, I mean, funding in general. At first, when I first started Youth Gravity, um, the first funding came in almost accidentally. Um, we uh, we were looking to we were looking for a project. Um, so when we first started Youth Gravity, um, I guess a, a little bit of the beginning story. Um, I reached out to people in my school around the idea, and why don't we start a school club? You know, mm-hmm. this might work out. Um, and the school clubs are kind of an easy way to get started because it was like, oh, like we already have so much support. We just have to like put that. It's like the grade is already made for you. We just have to like plot the points. And that was the yeah, the, in, the infrastructure is there already. Yeah, very, yeah. Infrastructure, that would be, that'd be a better way of saying it. Um, and I, when I reached out, I, a lot of people kind of said, mm, that's kind of like a stupid idea. No one's going to talk about leadership. Who's going to give up their lunch? It, it's just not going to work out. Like, forget about it. Um, so I was like, okay, like, I can't give up on this. I, sorry about the fire siren. It's okay. Um, and then I reached out to people in my community and I thought, why don't, if I'm not given, you know that quote, if you're not given an opportunity, like build a door of opportunity or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, like that was it. Like I was like, okay, why don't I reach out to my community members, people who I went to school with, like, like maybe in elementary school, like who knows? Um, and that's when it was kind of like, okay, you know what? Maybe this is this would work out. And then we had our first meeting. Um, I walked in, uh, and guess how many people showed up at the meeting? How many? It was zero. No one showed up. It was just me. Oh no! All by myself at the end of a table. Um, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> if, if that's any consolation, I have been there. Yeah, like I feel like it can be so lonely and exhausting to start anything. Yeah, and isolating. Isolating. Oh my gosh, that's a huge part as well. I think um, after that experience, I was like, okay, you know what? Like, what do I need? And people were like, you need money. Like, without money, you can't do anything. I was like, okay. Let's figure this out. As a 15 or 16 year old kid, I had no idea how to apply for funding. Like, what is funding? No, I have no idea how that works. Um, so I started searching up on Google, youth funding. I need funding. I'm a youth. Can I get funding? Like the weirdest things you can think of. Um, and somehow on Facebook, I was also searching up on Facebook as well. Somehow I came across, I stumbled upon this opportunity. They're like giving out like, 500 bucks to youth led and like the, the application is due like the next day and I was like great like maybe this is a sign um so well, we applied um and then we got the funding but that 500 as easy as it sounds now back then the stress we had to go through we spent almost six hours trying to figure out what are some of the things we need to figure out what how do we go about it? and that was just the beginning 
Um, after that, I think for a while, we didn't even know how to fund our projects. We, um, I think it's also worthwhile to mention that our team has been volunteering for the last three years until recently. We have volunteered almost 200 to 300 volunteer hours, each of us individually every year. Um, and that's a lot of commitment when you are also when you also have to juggle school, life, and everything else, and then also volunteering and also work, of course, because we're all in post secondary and we need to fund our education as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the whole thing. So funding itself is a completely different level of talent. Um, and then there's the part of um, being invited to uh, or being or feeling welcome to any event or like any kind of space we were in, especially when it comes to funding or going to events that are supposed to be for um, for people who are looking for grants or looking for funds. Quite often I felt isolated because I felt like, because of my age, because of how I looked like, how I dressed, I always felt like there was this alienation that would happen. I would always feel like, mm, I don't think I belong here. Um, that happened quite often going to our like even speaking for speaking at events for to advertise our events or to advertise our projects even those times it was quite it was a struggle to go about it um even in terms of the recent project um i know you you said it quite briefly um in my intro um, we just got funding from the Ministry of Public Safety and Emergency Preparedness for a project called Impact the Outcome, where we will be using, uh, where we would be working in different communities to understand how social polarization can lead to um, lead to radicalization to violence. Um, and yes, we are talking about violent extremism as well as a part of this conversation. And Believe it or not, this entire field of countering violent extremism in Canada is so, um, how do I put it? It's almost like, it's always been like a monopolistic, monopolistic demographic, if that makes sense. You mean it's racist? Uh, <laughs> is that what we're trying to say? That's basically what I'm trying to say. Right? It's racist and Islamophobic? <laughs> I have okay. so in the CBE field is almost majority of them are white middle-aged men um, and then I've like all throughout my work uh, or sorry I've been working I've been I guess I've been trying to reach out to people for like last couple of months or so um, and so far I have met only one racialized young woman one wow. racialized Muslim young woman uh, and there's absolutely no one else and they talk about and white supremacy is definitely a part of the conversation but what's interesting is that when white people try to make what, what, what how do i call this when white people try to make conclusions try to come up with conclusions about muslims being in cve mm-hmm. i don't know it just feels weird it almost feels like it almost like hard to point out what their intention is in the field and it's like it's unbelievable it's like I almost never I feel like I think I've been I've got amazing allies helping us in the field um amazing partner organizations but I feel like if I didn't have any of that or even when I do have it if I go to a conference for example or like an academic conference 
I would feel so isolated because I don't think there's a space. Canada has never created a space for people like me and you to talk about something that's stigmatizing our communities, that's impacting our communities, except we're not allowed to talk about it because anything, anything we talk about, we become a threat immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a weird, it's been a weird experience. And I think our communities are also reacting in different ways. Um, there's been negative reaction. There's also been positive reactions, but understanding the boundaries of our positive, understanding what we are allowed to do and what we're not. And most important of all, explaining that we're not spies of the, of the government. We're not going into the communities to spy on anyone. We're just trying to understand how can we create community resiliency that will allow communities to act better in a situation when a, when, when a young person or where a young person is being radicalized to violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of difficult challenges to overcome. Um, particularly related to when you receive funding mm-hmm. from large resources like the government Federal. and how to navigate that mm-hmm. to use that funding for, for the good projects that you want to do while also remaining true to your mandate mm-hmm. and remaining true to the messaging and, and the work that you're doing and, and to your communities and upholding that sort of accountability. What have you found the most fulfilling about this work in spite of those challenges? Because that is a lot to take on and it's a lot of both physical and yeah. emotional mm-hmm. labor. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What has been kind of the bright spots that, that help you keep pushing forward? Um there's been there's a couple of them. Uh, I would say the number one is uh, seeing the need of this work. I think um, it helps with my purpose. My purpose of and as a Muslim person I guess I do believe that my purpose in life is to serve my Lord. Uh, my Lord Allah Subhanallah. and mm-hmm. so I think the purpose and a part of it is to support community members around me people around me um, and in youth gravity is such an incredible way for me to engage with people around me engage the communities around me having important conversations uh, that hopefully help others who are struggling with some of these issues it really helps is the whole thing is a holistic experience. And while doing all of that, also creating the bonds I am creating. Um, so the second part would be my team. My team makes a huge difference when it comes to uh, being motivated to do the work I'm doing. Um, when I see a young person or when I hear one of my teammates going like, oh my gosh, like this is like our entire team is like racialized young women right now. Uh, and seeing that, like, how many times do you see a racialized young woman, like a team of racialized young women leading such a pivotal yeah. project or any project at all? Um, so that makes a huge difference as well. Just seeing that how this representation is changing. It's not, we are not meant to, we're not, it wasn't like on purpose to have it. Uh, it wasn't on purpose to outcast anyone to create teams in such a, in like a specific way that is never our intention. But if it does work out, we want to build space for more racialized immigrant youth, that's for sure. And when it does work out that way, you realize, you notice that there is a difference in their tone. They, you realize that these people want to be here. They matter. There's a huge realization that happens and that's happened mm-hmm. 
while I've been doing this work too, in particular the podcast, that the people who are doing the grassroots initiatives are racialized women, Mm -hmm. Black, Indigenous, and racialized women, um, young women in particular, Mm -hmm. who are being showcased um, in terms of the hard work that they're doing, but not necessarily provided the platforms to demonstrate that. And when we first started the podcast, for example, it was all young women that that we kept running into who were doing this work and approaching. And most recently when we did our podcast with Boys of the Future was when I realized, wow, there are so few, um, there are not so few, they're like like young racialized women are leading the way for their communities Mm -hmm. and they need to be credited for that and they need to be sought after for that hard work that they're doing and supported Mm -hmm. and so when you see a team of of all young racialized women uh it's not a shock but instead it's like oh yeah this makes sense this is who's doing the work Mm -hmm. um Mm-hmm. And, and that's why they're in those positions. Um, so I think it's really admirable that that is the makeup of your team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. So in talking about what is most fulfilling in the work that you're doing and, and seeing this representation sort of take hold, are there any tips that you have for others doing similar work and how to remain uh, consistent and meaningful and fulfilling? I think the biggest part of starting anything is to get started. No matter what, no matter what people tell you, no matter who tells you that this is not possible, start. It doesn't matter. Just start. Once you are in the race, you'll find your pace eventually. Start the race. That's the most important part. In terms of staying true to your values, I think epicenter of who you are makes a huge difference. Um, it eventually you will have to take time to figure out who you are or what it is that matters the most to you. If it is community, then you have to think about how do you always make sure that no matter where you are, no matter what event, no matter what funding, fundraising opportunity it is, is are you serving your community? Are you serving the community you are meant to serve? If it is a specific demographic, then are you supporting that? And how is your action, how is your course of actions, how is your course of decisions impacting the community at a greater level? Always have that, always have that connect back rule. Um, check in with yourself. Am I doing, what is the purpose of me doing this? What is the purpose of my, what, how do, how am I serving my purpose by doing so and so? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice for others to be taking. Um, especially from somebody so young who has been so accomplished and has dealt with all these challenges. So thank you for that. What are some of the upcoming opportunities that you have available for young people to get involved in Youth Gravity? Any upcoming projects or events that they should know about? And where can they find out more about the work that you're doing? So first of all, okay, before I move on to that, move on to answering the question, um, in terms of accomplishment-wise stuff, you're amazing. And I think we all are trying to support each other to do the best it's not about accomplishing like the next thing i think it's about mm-hmm. how do we support our communities the more we can support yeah. the better we can uplift each other um in terms of opportunities okay so we just finished our hiring for the impact outcome project there's going to be another hiring soon for internship it would be uh, it won't it won't be a paid position it would be um it would be a volunteer based people will get to volunteer with our team for four months 
this is an opportunity for people to get an idea how the how youth gravity runs um, what are some of the things that goes into uh, executing projects we are and this this would be the first time for our next project we're planning to have a pilot project where we plan on connecting mentors who are working in community work who are who have done similar projects and connecting them with mentees who are trying to understand the social advocacy work or trying to understand how to start any community project. Um, with the resources we have, we're hoping to be able to execute different projects across, uh, across Canada, essentially. Uh, but Toronto, Ontario would be probably our biggest goal. So for Youth Gravity, the first, uh, the first opportunity that's gonna come around would be the internship to create this entire project. So it runs smoothly as we go through different other other in order to support others with their project ideas. And where can people plug into your website or your social media channels or donating opportunities? Where can they find those? For opportunities, always look on at our website. Our website is youthgravity.org and our social media, our Instagram is probably the most active out of all. Check us out at youth.gravity on Instagram. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash youthgravity. We always have, every time there's a new opportunity, we'll always make sure to advertise on those. So feel free to feel free to ask us questions as well. Another part to keep in mind is that people, when we have, when we are going through this internships or when we are going through different events or projects like this, it's so important to make sure you're present or make sure that you are participating sometimes when um, future opportunity arises, we, based on your work, sometimes we have had the opportunity to uh, give like extra recommendation to those who have been part of our team before. Uh, even for this paid opportunity, when we were doing the interviews, all the former Youth Gravity members were, who applied for the opportunity were prioritized over everyone else. So it's super important that you stay connected on our social media. Thank you so much for joining us, Salsavila. I'm so happy that we got to reconnect. Yeah. Um, and looking forward to seeing all of the great work that you're doing with Youth Gravity and everything that comes out over the next few months um, and into the end of the year. Before we let you go, we have our closing segment on how I would end racism. So as young leaders of color, we're constantly actually trying to reduce the harms that racism causes both to ourselves and in our communities while we actively fight to end it with the organizations and the initiatives that we're building. But imagine if we could do so instantly, what would be your pitch for the best way to do so? Okay, there is so many. I think the number one thing I would say is breaking the harmful cycle that has been going around in our Desi households, the anti-Black racism that goes on since we were a kid. Uh, we have to boycott this statement such as only if you are fair, only if you are brighter, only if your skin color was better, only if you or your marriage won't would be an issue if you were darker. Those statements, those things need to be boycotted. And every time there's an adult in the household saying that, you have to stop them respectfully. I think if we we are almost part of the problem, we are almost as much part of the problem as anyone who is making racist remarks because these statements, they are embedded in ourselves since we were kids. And we need to stop doing that. We need to stop that bias feeling. We have to stop that. I think that's 
that would be like my way of starting or my way of working around it. I think this is such an, um, and it's so, it's so usual or so common at home that we don't even realize that this is actually problematic. Every time an adult in the household makes an anti-racist remark or uh, sorry, sorry, not anti-racist, anti-black remark or racist remark, there will be, you know, those drain water, like that will just automatically pour on them. There's like, it's just gonna like, it's just gonna come, it's just gonna appear out of nowhere and it's just gonna pour on them. And that's how they- Like their own personal little rain cloud of drain water. Exactly, that's it. Yeah, but it has to be disgusting, like really bad smell, nasty smell, nasty color. And it's just going to pour on them like right away. No question. I like it. You know, if our, if sometimes our communities don't listen to us, maybe the rainwater will teach oh them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like also like literature in literature, rain is like such an important thing in, uh, in our culture. I feel like in like yes, yes. culture in general, like, you know, when Shah Rukh Khan walks in, it's like raining. <laughs> it's like that transparent t-shirt. But imagine that like 10 times worse. It's just like. But like gross. Water, yeah. water, exactly. And no Sharukan, no shirtless, uh, see teacher. No SRK, only okay. only our parents when they are not listening exactly. to us and make that. That's exactly. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy we got to talk. And yeah, I look forward again to seeing all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. And also, I quickly wanted to um, mention, and if it is possible for people to support, I recently got nominated for RBC Top 25 Immigrant Award, if, um, Canada's Top 25 Immigrant Award. Uh, if anyone, uh, if anyone, if anyone likes what I do, or if anyone likes what I represent, I would highly appreciate if anyone would go to the website and vote for me it would be an awesome way to support me as well yes go and vote for sal savila hopefully we're gonna check when we're releasing this episode but okay. we will post it on our, our instagram beforehand if needed oh my gosh that'd uh, be so, so definitely awesome. that would be so awesome thank you so much we have we have until august 7th to vote so okay perfect um thank Never. you all for listening and we will talk to you next time Awesome. Bye.